I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious fund managers around. And now I've decided to take the plunge and start my own fund. The real question is, how will I do it? With no investors and without an Ivy League degree, this podcast is going to give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we start and build multi-million dollar investment funds. I'm Bridger Pennington, and this is Investment Fund Secrets. Welcome back to the show, you guys. Today, we've got a, a fun guest with us, Ryan Stuman on the show. You've probably seen him on Instagram, YouTube, all over the place, the hardcore closer. Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing awesome. I'm, I'm excited to be here hanging out with you. You know, I was telling my wife earlier, I said, I got an interview with this young man who's like really got his stuff together that I met a couple weeks ago. His name's Bridger Pennington. She goes, man, that's a pretty amazing name. I was like, dude, if you see that name on a resume, that guy's getting hired. You know, it's like, <laughs> you, I just want to commend your father on giving you such an amazing name. That is like the name of success, sir. Own that. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, thank you. I, I, uh, it's actually funny. I call a lot of people, like I'll be on the phone people. I live in Utah. People outside of Utah have never heard the name Bridger before. And, uh, it's actually, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to have a unique name though. Cause people, yeah, people remember it and it's kind of, kind of new a little bit. So thank you though. Yeah. Hopefully I get hired a few places, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, we met about man, what, two and a half, three weeks ago in Arizona at an event, we sat down, we started to talk and I was like, we gotta, I gotta have Ryan on my show. Um, you've done a lot with sales. You've done a lot with, uh, just building teams, building companies. And, uh, I think, I think you'll be a great addition for the show today. It's gonna be pretty fun. So to kick things off though, give people a little bit of background on you how you got into this game um, and got started off? Well, I've been in sales my entire life. I've, I've never had a salary job until the one that I have now that I created. And, um, you know, I started off selling car washes when I was 13. So like someone would pull into a car wash <clears throat> and they might want an $8 car wash. And it was my job to bump them to $10. And I got like a nickel or a quarter for every car that I bumped, right? And uh, so that was like my first taste working in the summers, getting commissioned. Um, well, I met a drug dealer working at the car wash. And so my side hustle was selling cocaine for a couple of years, never did this stuff except for once. And I overdosed and was arrested in possession and stuff. And so, uh, long story short, me and Coke, we, uh, we just not a, a thing, but anyway, um, ended up going to prison, got out of prison, came back to work at the car wash. Cause that's what losers that go to prison do. And about the only place that'll take you, you know, when you got a drug felony in the, in the 90s, that's how long ago this was. Mm -hmm. And um, worked my butt off though, man. Like I've always been a hard worker and I've always been able to like, I got out of prison, there was at least a sales job there for me, right? Selling car washes again. One day, one of the customers, she says, uh, you know what? You work really hard, you work harder than anybody I've ever seen. I'd like to give you a job. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, well, what do you do for a living? She's like, well, I work in banking. And I was like, dude, I don't even have a bank account. I pay my rent in cash truck cash. Like I'm not qualified. She goes, I'll teach you. And I was like, that's cool. But there's also another catch. And I was like, I'm a felon. She goes, what'd you do? And I was like, I got caught with drugs. She goes, ah, hell you'll be fine around here. And so she literally took me under her wing. And within a year in that business, within about 15 months, I had made $700,000. So I went from like making, you know, 40 grand a year at the car wash convicted felon to just smoking it in the uh, mortgage and investing world. And yeah, what, what I doing? did- You're doing mortgages or what? Yeah, mortgages. And, mm -hmm. uh, but what I did was everybody else was chasing real estate agents. So that market was pretty saturated. Everybody else was trying to, you know, <clears throat> knock doors and all this other stuff. I started going to events like the Avengers, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, Bridger's here at this real estate mastermind. He probably buys real estate. Guess what? I got money, you know? 
And so I started going to Rich Dad Poor Dad seminars. I started going to uh, the Fortune Builder seminars. And back then there was, uh, you know, no money down real estate. There was a ton of seminars out there that were free. And so I would show up and I would see the people that bought the program. And then I would just hand them my card and be like, you're wanting to invest in real estate. We have investor loans. Mm -hmm. And so one person might do 50, 60 loans with me uh, over the course of, you know, a couple of years. So I built a, a hell of a portfolio so much that when I made the $700,000, I owned 32 properties. I was a landlord. I had people come up by my house to pay rent. People come up by my house to drop off applications. And I lived in a small town. The cops thought I was selling dope again. They raided my house. I didn't even have a sandwich baggie in there. I wasn't even remotely on drugs, near drugs. They raided my house. They threw a flash bomb in there. They thought I was cooking meth of all things. I didn't even have a meth conviction. But anyway, um, and who throws a flash bomb in a meth lab? But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> they don't find anything, and, and, but they find a gun. And it's, it's weird. In Texas, you can be a felon and own a gun. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. So they charged me. I beat the case, got it dismissed. The damn ATF picked the case up because federally they don't, they don't recognize the state's rights. So it's like a double jeopardy thing. And I don't know, I'm not reading federal law books or I wouldn't have had the gun. I wasn't using it for anything anyway. It's not like I was doing stick up kid stuff or anything. You know, I just had a gun to protect my house. Long story short, I can tell you how it all happened, but they tried to give me 20 years. I got it down to 15 months because of the grace of God. Had to go do 15 months in prison, lost everything that I had, came out 2009 with nothing, but then made $300,000 back in the mortgage industry in 2009, like the worst year to be in the business. I just came out of prison and hit it hard. But 2010, the Dodd-Frank Act took place that said certain things like felons could no longer write financial instruments or be mortgage people. They changed the licensing. So when it expired in Texas, I couldn't get it federally. And I needed to find something that would allow me to make a good living, not have a boss, not need a license, and the government couldn't step in. So I stumbled across the good old internet, internet marketing, right? So, you know, I bought programs, went to seminars, learned all this stuff. And, you know, in the last 11 years, I've had over 25,000 clients. Uh, we have millions of followers on social media. I've, I've been on you know, thousands of podcasts. I've been on thousands of articles written about me. I have 13 best-selling books. I've been on the stages of some of the biggest conferences in the world and coming from like super, and I just gave you guys the cliff notes, but coming from super humble beginnings to where I'm at today, every day I wake up and I'm like, man, I hope this dream never ends, you know? Wow. That's, that's incredible. Now I want to ask you a couple questions. Number one, when you're, what's the mindset of you and all inmates coming out of prison. And it sounds like you had a correct mindset. What, and I, I this is getting a little off track. Maybe it's kind of fun though. What, what's your thoughts on, on current, uh, I guess, educational programs for inmates or people that are, are convicted in, in prison to help them do what you did? I mean, you're like this success poster boy of, of that. And like, what are your thoughts on that whole process? Well, I was in nine different or eight different maximum security prisons. Uh, so I didn't just get to go to one. So I had my fair share of roommates and people that I socialized with in there, socialized being a, a very loose term, obviously. Um, but not, every, you know, I may know three people that came out of there the way that I am. I know a guy that owns a car dealership here that's done very, very well. He probably does 30 million a year in his car dealership. 
uh, one of the top ones in the Metroplex. He was in federal prison with me. Um, I'll tell you a cool story though, man, that this will, this will just blow your mind. This is my life, man. Like I, if somebody wrote a book, like, like if God was the author of my life and he wrote a book about me, it would have to be called the accidental success. Like the things that have happened to me, it was no accident that I lost my mortgage license Look where I am today. I, I don't want to write mortgages. I pay somebody else to do that stuff for me now, you know, not that there's anything wrong with it, but it wasn't my calling in life. It was just a means to making money. You know, this yeah. is my calling in life. But so in 2005, I read my first like, like book on success. It was called The Law of Success by Napoleon Hill. And mm -hmm. it's like 1200 pages, right? And I read this book and at the end of it, and I'm 26 years old. I'm just made, you know, close to my first million dollars. And I got a girlfriend that's there and I read this book and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I want to be like these guys on the stage that I'm seeing at these seminars. You know, I bought the houses, I made the money, my track record from where I came from is a lot more colorful and interesting than them. I want to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do it. She looks straight in the eyes. She's like, you're an idiot. Who the hell would want to listen to you? You're a felon. And you know, you're like two years into this business, you know, those guys leave it to the professionals. You know, people that you're the closest to, they tend to hate and shit on your dreams, you know? So we get married flash forward the cops raid my house months later maybe a year later we we end up getting married to that the lady before i uh, went into prison i need somebody to be a conservator over all the things that i had right uh but that didn't work out she left me for the gardener but when i went into federal prison i went in thinking okay i only got 15 months in here i got a woman waiting for me i got some money waiting for me i'm gonna get in here i'm gonna lose weight i'm gonna read books i'm gonna focus i'm gonna educate myself i'm gonna come out of machine yeah right 90 days into there it's like you know i got that dear john letter you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, dude, all these things, the force of average just trying to distract me, right? So about, about let's say 90 days in, I get this letter. 92 days in, so I've been there in prison for a few months at this point. I'm standing in line. It's a, it's a wet, rainy morning. And the dude, two people in front of me is the ex-drug dealer from 1999 when I got in trouble. Oh, no way. You know, I guess he didn't get out of the business. So he's standing in front. And he's a big time operator, right? And uh, I never was, but but I just he was, and but I never snitched on anybody. I never owed anybody money. I got good standing, good ethics, no matter what I'm in. And I tap him on the shoulder. I was like, "Yo, Angel, you remember me?" My name on the streets was Breeze, and he's like, "Yeah, Breeze, man, that's what the hell are you doing here? I thought you cleaned your life up." It's like me too. You're not gonna believe this shit, right? <laughs> like, yeah. so um, he goes, "Man, you're doing." We got to talking. He goes, "You're doing banking stuff now." He goes, "Dude, me and my boys, we got like less than five years, but we got millions of dollars on the outside that we need to figure out how to clean up." Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Why? Well, I, I can teach you. I mean, what are they gonna do? Put me in prison? I'm already yeah. here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. so I'm literally having this like Shawshank Redemption type of moment in my life, mm -hmm. right? So I go back. This is all in the same day. I go back to my cell." About two hours later, the biggest Mexican with face tattoos you ever seen in your life. Like, like he makes Danny Trejo look like, you know, a Disney character. I'm serious, <laughs> man. This dude comes down he, and uh, he, he's still in there. He still sends me texts on Facebook for, uh, from the federal prison all the time. They got a phone in there. But well, he, he comes downstairs. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not supposed to. But these guys, like, he comes down and gets me. And my cellmate's like, I don't know what you did with the essays, man. But, like, don't bring that back down here. I'm like, I don't even know what I did, right? But Angel, obviously, is a Hispanic dude. And so I go up to the place where this, this big-ass Mexican dude brings me. And these guys are sitting in a cell. It's like a rap video. Dude, they're smoking weed. They're wearing Air Jordans and shit in prison. Like, they're living, like, this free world life. Like, meanwhile, I'm over here for 90 days in prison. These guys, like, getting high. I got, like, the latest, you know, they got cell phones and stuff, right? And I'm like, 
oh man, there's like levels to this stuff in here. Right? <laughs> like different, yeah, there's a kingdom inside there, yeah. And so the the head guy, the shot caller for all the, the Hispanic people in the Southwest region of American federal prison just happens to be in my building and it's his cell. And he's like, hey man, word is you can help us clean up some money problems that we got. And I'm like, yeah, so tell me what you got. You know, I'll help you. He's like, look, man, if you start messing with our money on the outside, we'll kill you, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, you, I'm good. I don't need your money, man. Like, I'll help you guys out. Just, you know, keep me from getting raped in here or whatever, right? Like, occasionally I need a bag of chips. Bring me a bag of chips, you know, like, you know, I'll, I'll work it out with you guys. And so I started meeting them in the library every Wednesday. So I'm teaching these guys how to buy houses with money orders at an auction. Right. So look, you go into the cash, you go get a bunch of money orders, you go down to the auction, you buy it money orders. That's the only way that they're going to take it. Then you take the deed to the house, you refinance it, you get your cash back out of it. Now you got an asset legal money. Yeah. Right? Oh, shit. You know, like they're dudes, so they're calling like, you know, they're putting money on my books, taking care of me like everything was covered down there. Right. So this was my first shot at giving a seminar in front of the toughest audience you could imagine people that are in prison for killing and running. Like the head guy, he was he was sentenced to 21 years for 19 tons of cocaine. Tons, you know, like, and so we're talking about boatloads of the shit. And so this, these are the people that I'm like speaking in front of. So people are like, hey, do you get nervous when you get on like Ed Milet or Russell Brunson stage? Like, you don't even know how I started, right? I'm like, nobody in that audience is going to kill me. <laughs> you know, yeah. like if I give them wrong information, I'm just an idiot. I'm not somebody that's going to get shanked in the shower, you know? And so... But I carried that with me when I got out uh, six years later, I'm, I'm, when I get out four years later, I start this business. And in six years after that, so 2016, business is going pretty good. That leader gets out of prison and calls me and says, hey, man, you changed my life. We've been giving your books around prison. We got all these people's lives you changed in prison. You have no idea. I want to come work for you for minimum wage. I need my parole officer to, for me to have a job. It's like, bro, you don't even know what the internet looks like. You don't even know what the internet looks like. And he's like, I'll figure it out. That dude still works for me today. He's my general manager and he can build a funnel better than Russell Brunson. Wow. And like, I'm, I'm dead serious. And this guy had, he went into prison before the internet was a thing, before Google was even a site. And this dude <laughs> now, he's like our head of marketing wow. and stuff. And, and so, and we, we make a lot of money together legally, you know, and, and it's, but it's cool to see that like what I do now was a direct stance from, and think I had to get jerked out of the mortgage business to be doing what I do now. I had to get jerked out of those relationships and put into prison to get that hardcore experience. So it's just, I know that has nothing to do with typically how your show works, but you know, it's an interesting story nonetheless, you know? Well, no, that's, that's so impressive. I, uh, when I love your, I love that attitude. And that's something I brought up on the show before is life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. That's a Tony, old Tony Robbins quote, right, of, of different hero types. You have the victim mentality, the survivor mentality, the hero mentality, right? And I love you've, you've turned that entire mess of, man, I was in prison twice, and I come out and you turn into this hero mentality, and you've gone on to do incredible things. And then have other inmates come and work for you and change their lives and get out of, you know, that system and that, that bad life that they were in. That's, that's pretty impressive. Um, with... In regards, now I'm gonna shift gears here a little bit. So this show we talk about investing, we talk about starting funds, and I know I I know you don't run a fund currently, but you've been pitched by a lot of people for deals. I'm assuming, right? I'm yep. sure you've had every you know Jim, Jane, and and Jolly come come ask you for money. Walk me through 
people that you like to invest with and why? What sales pitches are compelling to you? I know you're a good salesman. How to, and then from, and then on the other side, say, well, for people that are listening to the show that want to go pitch, what can we glean and, and learn from that? Well, first, I think the best resource for pitching investors is uh, anything that Oren Cleff does. Uh, I don't know if you know him. In, I, in, I talk about him all the time. I show. love him. I love him, man. His book, Pitch Anything, is, is amazing. And I bought several of his training programs. And he's really good at that specific process. So, yeah, if you, it's good that you already knew that. So, of course, you would. You're a smart guy. You know what, what other smart people are like. So, um, that's how I found him, too, right? Like, I'm a smart guy, so I'm looking to learn from more. So, anyway, um, for me, you know, I'm not your traditional guy. Again, again, you just heard my story, little snippets of it. I'm from the street, so I don't typically, like, I'm the type of person, like, if you run off with my money, let me give you an example. The last person that ran off with my money is about to go into the prison that I just left with the guys that I just talked about. He ain't oh, wow. going to do so hot, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so, like, that's how I operate. But everybody that does business with me knows that, like, I'm not your typical, hey, we're going to have to get attorneys involved and stuff like that. I would be more of a loan shark, right? or an investing shark, right? Which doesn't make me, which, you know, really eliminates 99% of the people with bullshit pitches that aren't certain about it. Because <laughs> just that like, alone. You don't yeah. want to mess with Ryan and his gangsters. Like, that's just not the guy. So like, you're only coming to me if you got good stuff. And, and so, but really Bridger, what I look for is relationships. Mm -hmm. So just last night, uh, uh, Fleischman sent me a message and he's like, hey dude, you should throw some money at this thing with me. Okay, cool. How much do you want? All right, I'm gonna send it over, right? Like, and and I don't need to look at the papers. I don't need, dude. I got millions of dollars with with Wags and and Fleischman, and I don't need to look it over. I know they got my best interests in mind. They're gonna take care of me because they're stand up dudes, and we've done stuff together. Um, usually, the people that I invest with are people that I'm close with. Me and uh, my best friends is a guy named Steve Kuklo. He's like the biggest bodybuilder on the planet right now. He's like the guy. You know, probably will be Olympia this year in 2021. And uh, he's, he's my best friend. And, you know, when he calls me, he's like, hey, we got this thing that we can put money into. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to look it over. But we're in it because, you know, he's just a smart guy. He's analytical. He's already done that before he brings it to me. So typically, you know, like yesterday, we got $150,000. We need to throw it in an investment. I just called Wags up and said, hey, you know, I, I need to send this money over to you. You know, uh, you, if you think it's better to buy corporate, that's fine. Or if you want me to buy another Everbowl branch, that's fine, too. And, um, and so, you know, that's just how I operate. I got some people that I trust. And so if I was on the other side of that, and I'm mm -hmm. trying to gain someone's trust, right? Because here's the thing that you were with us for the Everbowl thing. I, I think my people bought 13 of those. So not only did I do business with Aaron and bought two and bought into corporate, uh, fixing to be a third one, I sent him nine more locations. And it may be more than that, but I'm just going to conservatively say nine because I know for sure it was at least nine, but nine more people bought those from him, right? So like I can be, I'm that person that like, shoot, if I invested in your fund and told people, hey, I'm giving Bridger money, like my players in Apex would be like, oh shoot, man, if, if Stuman's done his due diligence and this guy knows who he's dealing with on Stuman's end and he's still willing to put his money in there, like that's a good deal, you know? And you know what's, uh, and, what's and funny it, about that? just cut you off for a second is it's what's funny about that is that's not an, an uncommon tale. It's, okay. You think you, well, and I, you know, you have the, the other side of the coin of like the very analytical, the former investment banker consultant, the family office, and they're going to go very, they're very analytical investors, right? It's how they make a lot of money. What's funny is I've heard a similar story from people like you. They're like, Hey, I, I have just great relations with people that I trust. 
And I know that they're, they've got my, like you said, my best interest in mind. And I, I, yes, I'm going to look, I'm going to look it over. I'm going to make sure it makes sense, but I'm going to put some money with them. And I think for, for people listening, I think don't over or underestimate the value of relationships and actually becoming friends with people and building. A lot of people think when they're trying to find, if I just have the best numbers, money is just going to find me forever. And that can be true. But a lot of times, especially when you're starting at the, at the very beginning, you need, you know, 10 year relationship with Ryan, we're best buddies. That's going to do way more for you than, than having the best pro forma spreadsheet ever built, but no relationships. And so I just want to echo what you're saying. I think it's a, it's a very crucial thing. Sorry, cut you off, but keep going. Yeah. And you know, uh, to that, I have a family office and, uh, but, but I do what the fuck I want to do. And they just look at it, make sure all the paperwork's in the right place. Right. Cool. And then with my lawyer, he looks over the contract. So if there's any gotcha stuff in there that maybe the, that they don't know about, then he's going to pull that for me. So I've got smart people looking it over. And if my lawyer's like, yeah, man, it's a decent deal, you know, seems legit. Right. And then the family office is like, yeah, that's cool. Then boom, I, I, I got it. But you know, after I've done one deal with WAGs, I don't need to go back to the lawyer and to the family office again. Mm -hmm. I just keep feeding into that. I do one deal with Dan. I don't need to go back to them again. Maybe if we got another contract coming in, but we've already seen it at this point, you know? So um, I think for me, I invest a lot. I don't like holding on to money cash. I'm not a cash is trash guy, but I don't really need that much. Uh, my business, I don't have loans. I don't owe banks. I don't have business partners. I'm hundred percent self-made, self-funded, bootstrapped all the way to where we're at now, which is, you know, well into eight figures a year. And, um, of very marginal online business, as you can imagine, right? And so, but with that, you know, I got different things. Like, so I do uh, these electricity investments. They pay 25% guaranteed money. Uh, they're 15 month notes, but they're only like 10,000 deals. So 10,000, $15,000 a pop. I'll go drop a hundred grand on those. And I've been running those for three years now. So they've compounded at 25%. So it's almost doubled. You know what I mean? Because of the 25 and the doubling of the 25. Um, so I do like things like that, that's short term that I know, Hey, I ain't got that long. And I got this money coming back. I buy real estate, you know, that's something for cash flow. I don't flip houses anymore. I used to need cash like that. So I flipped houses, but now I want to own stuff. So I own some rental homes. I like to buy new construction. Uh, I own some Everbowls like we were talking about. And then I have some investments in some corporations that I think will sell in the next five years. So that's what I look at it. Like if I'm putting money away, like worst case scenario, I should get my money back in five years. You know, a lot of the things I do, you know, cause long-term money, I'm investing myself. I buy my own stocks. I got my own self-employed IRA that I put 58 grand a year or whatever that is. And I've been doing that for, it's a big portfolio at this point. I've been doing that for forever. And so what's big to me. So, you know, for me, when someone's pitching somebody something, you really need to figure out what they're interested in. Like for me, if you're trying to pitch me a 10 year investment, like I'm 41, man, I'm, I don't know if I'm gonna be here in 10 years, I'm getting old, you know what I'm saying? But I know I'm gonna be here in five, <laughs> right? I'm just joking, but I know I'm gonna be here in five, right? I can't really tell what the economy is gonna do 10 years from now, we could be in flying saucers and stuff, Marion Martians, we don't know, things are advancing pretty quick. So, but five years from now, that's unlikely to happen, you know? And so you need to find out the person's needs. Also, the reason why I like Everbowl is you know I've got real estate that cash flows these Everbowl businesses that cash flow and then I've got stocks that appreciate in equity I'm about to buy a commercial building to move my business in that will depreciate equity I'll be able to write off too so you know I, I like to have different means of investments as well but you know the the thing is I, I bought into maybe maybe two funds 
like over time where they were buying either a piece of real estate or, you know, it was a fun buying into the corporation of, of Everbowl, yeah. obviously. But, you know, if you're going to pitch somebody, you got the relationship, cool, but you should really ask your people before you pitch them what their goals, what their money is, you know? And oftentimes I see people, it's like back in the day, I didn't have that much money. I was spending it all on my business, but people thought I had a whole lot of money. So they're like, hey man, we need 2 million for that. I'm like, shit, me too. You know, <laughs> I'd like to have 2 million for that too. I ain't got it right now. I don't know why you thought it was me. I'm flattered, but I ain't your guy, right? So you just gotta meet, but that also shows me they didn't do any research. They didn't ask the right questions or there's no way that they would have hit me up for that dollar amount back then, so. Gotcha. Doing a lot of the, well, yeah. And I think that's a, that's a great point. I think Warren Claff makes that point in his books too. He talks about asking it, like I'll echo what you said, asking investors what their goals are, where are they at and, and what is, and, and you're essentially being more consultant there. You're not a salesman, you're a consultant, right? Is this the right, the right fit for you? Is this something in your timeline? Maybe you're not, you don't like 10 year offerings. Well, Hey, we're doing a three-year offering. Is that something you're interested in? I think that's crucial when, when probing different investors and seeing, you know, seeing where you're at. Um, on that note, I want to ask you about sales. Okay. A lot of people now running a fund is, is sales, right? People don't, sometimes they don't even think about that, but that you are a salesman selling a fund, getting investors and selling partners. You're selling uh, people to sell you sometimes a deal or give you a cheaper offering. Um, what did, what advice would you give to uh, let's see, let's call it a young salesman, a young salesman that's just getting started. Even, even if it's not the fun space, maybe just in sales. Well, what advice would you give to those types? You need to, the, the very first fundamental thing in sales, right? Sales is different from closing, different from marketing, different from advertising, right? They're all different. But in sales, the thing that you need is an offer. So many people don't really have an offer. Now, they say, you know, they got an elevator pitch. But if I got to listen to you pitch me some shit for more, like I had a guy today. He, was, he wasn't asking for money. He was asking me to check out his software and it took him 20 minutes to explain it. I'm like, you know, at the end of seven minutes, I'm out. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, when am I going to stare at software for, for 20 minutes, man? I'll, I'll like fall asleep here. I just can't do it. You know, hey, you got cool product seven minutes in. Hey, I see everything. What do you want me to do? Right? Like I'm trying and not everybody's like me, but, but I'm a busy guy. But you got to get your offer down so that when you like, for example, uh, I'll go back to Everbo because that's something that I'm buying now is, you know, the offer is 40% buy-in. You ain't got to do nothing. They send you 40% net every month once it gets the reserves met. So that's, that's an offer that's easy. I wouldn't even care if they weren't selling delicious ice cream. It's like, okay, so I'm getting this amount of money in, $150,000 in, 40% ownership. Y'all pay me 40% of the net income every single month in perpetuity till it's sold with an exit plan. Boom, that's it. Perfect, right? Makes complete sense. So if your offer, here's what you need to have. And you, you, you guys are smart, smarter than me at this stuff, but here's what, what I look for, right? So in my offer, I'm going to give you two layers. Okay. Layer number one is you need to have four parts. You need to have what the product is, right? Like what are we investing into? What is the team that's going to manage the investment or going to run the product, right? Uh, what is the exit plan? Okay. And what are, what is the, what is the exit plan to sell? Like how am I getting my money back? And what's the expected ROI, right? So if you can tell somebody those four things pretty easy, they can make a, a decision. Okay. I'm putting 150 in, I get 40% a month five-year exit plan should exit out at 2 million. My 40% of that is okay, cool. Right. 800 grand. Perfect. Right. Like you can, you can, you can see that that's an easy offer. When people start trying to explain all the intricacies and like, I got a friend that runs a hedge fund with artificial intelligence, man. It sounds amazing. I won't put money in it because I don't understand it. I'm like Warren Buffett in that sense. I'm like, if you're that smart, 
you're smarter than me and I'm a little scared that you might be able to manipulate my money, right? So that's layer one. You gotta have the product, the team, the exit plan and the compensation, right? How are you gonna get the return on investment? That's one layer. Now let me give you the second layer to this offer. It needs to be how to get what they want without having to do what they don't want, right? Most chances people would say, well, they wanna make money and they don't wanna lose money, right? It's gotta be a little deeper than that, right? The offer needs to be, hey man, how would you like to retire in the next 10 years by only putting 10% of your income into our fund, right? Okay, well, that's cool. I can retire in 10 years with 10% a year put into your fund. That's easy. I'm giving that to the church anyway, right? Like you, you see what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that that's possible. I'm just saying when you can nail your offer down like that, like you figure what that person wants. Like me, I just want to be rich because the more lives I can impact, the more money I can put in the marketplace, the more pieces of, of food and I can put on people's plates because they're employees and contractors and laborers. That's my vision. It's not about money for me. It's about how many people can I feed? How many people can I keep employed because of the moves that I'm making and the rain that I'm, I'm draining over here, right? But so for me, like I'm not trying to retire. So if you're pitching me and retire in 10 years, I feel like my job wasn't done. But a lot of people that are investing money, they're investing because they don't want to work anymore. I'm a workaholic. Most people are not. They're like, hey, how long till I can take this out and I ain't got to work no more, <laughs> right? Especially yeah. the younger people, you know? So your offer needs to have those four things and then what they want and what they don't want. And it needs to be quick. If you couldn't tell me in two or three sentences exactly what you do, what you offer and how it benefits me, like you need to, you need to, as Dan Kennedy would say, you need to dial that thing in over and over and over again until you can get it in four sentences or less. Wow. I loved it. That was, that was awesome. Um, yeah, that was to the point, right? And I think, so the four things, having those four things very clear to the point in three or four sentences or less, and then giving that, I love the, the second point of it too. You get what you want without the, the, whatever the hardship or the thing that they, they don't want to do. I think yep. that's, that's wise words for someone. And that could be in the fun space that works as well for whatever you're selling work. That works. Dude, think about it. How to get across the board, how to get six pack abs without going on a diet, yeah. right? How to find the woman of your dreams without having to take a shower, right? Like that's like, these, these are the offers we see every single day on the internet, how to get X without Y. X represents what they want. Y represents what they don't want. Yeah. How to, how to get rich quick. You know what I mean? Like that's the ultimate offer right there. You know, they want to get rich. They want it quick. You know? Yeah. So, and I love that too. You mentioned the, 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 the sale, well, on the ability of the offer, the, 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 whoever has structured together the offer really transforms the sale and then be able to communicate that offer clearly, succinctly, precisely to what they want. I love it. Um, well, we call it an irresistible offer. Yeah. If my offer is irresistible, I don't have to close you because my offer is irresistible. You're going to take me up on it. And so when you can dial in, in an irresistible offer, because keeping it simple sales. So an irresistible offer has to be simple because if you start giving me a bunch of information and numbers and analyzations and stuff, that's a lot to process. And I got to think, I really do got to think about it. But if you're like, hey, 10%, 10 years, this is the deal, you're out, blah, blah, blah. It'll get you this. It's like, I don't have that much to think about. There's not a lot to process there. See, I was in the mortgage business and I would watch these dudes be like, okay, so here's how it goes. Like, all right, the interest rates today are at 4.5%, but if the bond market fluctuates tomorrow, they could be at like 4.875, but if it goes down, they could be at 4.275, then, then they would hang up with the client. And then they would come bitch to me, it's like, none of these clients wanna lock in a loan. None of them wanna lock in a loan. None of them are committing. I'm like, 
Because you're telling them shit they don't need to know. I would get on the phone with people and be like, look, you don't even want a mortgage. Nobody wants a mortgage. You want a house. When do you want the house? What do you want to pay for it? Okay, we'll work it out from there. Perfect. We'll close on July 31st. Your payments will be $1,200 or less a month. I'll send you the paperwork over. That's all you need. Hmm. It was an easy decision. Yes, I want to close on the house. Yes, I want this to be my payment. I was making more money than most people because I let people choose their payments. If I'm educating you on a rate and giving you a payment, guess what? Then you're like, Oh, you know, well, I, I'm going to go call the other guy and see if I can get this. But if you tell me, hey, you know, I don't know, I figure it's probably $1,400 a month and I can get it to you for 12. Are you going to shop me around? No, you're going to assume that I could have ripped you off at $1,400 a month and I didn't. So I'm a good guy. Hmm. Oh, wow. That's cool. But nobody wanted a mortgage. Just like nobody yeah, no wants one. to risk their money, right? They want the end result, which is compounded interest, an investment that makes them rich or an investment that makes them better off financially right? They don't want to risk. The, an investment is synonymous with risk. They don't want to invest. They want the result of investing, which is the return of the investment, right? So if we keep focusing on the invest, they don't want to be sold that shit. You focus on the return of the investment. That's what they're dreaming of. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And well, that, <laughs> that makes sense in so many ways. It could be investing. It could be mortgages. It could be selling your little Amazon widget. Um, no, uh, that's, that's right on par. So for, um, well, actually, I, I want to, I want to switch gears here for a second. I know, I know you got to go in a minute. I want to, I want to talk about a few different things. What is your crystal ball look like for the next, that we're recording this in February of 2021. What are you seeing from your seat over the next 18 months, 24 months, 36 months in the United States? We've printed anywhere from 20 to about 35% of all us dollars have been printed in the last about 12 months have been created. And we see asset inflation. We are not seeing consumer price inflation. A lot of people are saying we have a bubble. This, it's going to pop. We have these crypto, we have these huge IPOs with different, we have all this stuff going on, all these data points. I want to hear from you though, bottom of your heart. What do you think is going to happen over the next? And never, you know, this is just speculation. This is for fun, but where are we at? Are aliens going to touch down? Like what's going on? They're already here. Elon Musk <laughs> is married to one. Um, or it has a kid with one anyway. Hey, here's the thing, man. Like, I did time with federal criminals that were political activists and 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 under the table money washers for the Fed and stuff like that, right? So I've like run into those guys through the years. And I can tell you this, man, people are like, we're going to go through the Great Depression. Man, it took a long time to bounce back from that because we didn't have the information. The government's not going to let us fail. It's not in their best interest to, for us to fail. They're like the middle class will get wiped out. That's not in the American or any country's government's best interest. The best interest is to keep the middle class flourish. What we have these days, which is different from any other time in the past, is the ability to run the largest PSYOP on the planet. So if they need to push up the market, they just get CNBC to keep saying the market's doing great. People have confidence. They keep throwing their money at it. There's two things that I really think about them printing all the money last year. It's like, cool, that just means there's more money out there. Why aren't we getting as much as we can? That's what I'm trying to do, right? Right, there's more to get, you know? We could be like, hey, they're running out of money, but no, they just gave us a whole bunch more. We should go get it. We should get all of it. And they're giving it away like damn near for free. I just got a car, okay? Not a, not a house, a car, which traditionally has higher interest rates. For 2.34% for 72 months, how am I going to turn that down? How am, why would I pay cash for that car? When they are giving it to me for six years for 2.34%. Like that's that's insane. I just yeah. refinanced this house that I'm in, saved 25, I just bought the house three years ago. 
the rates are so low, 2.875, it saved me $2,500 a month, right? Mm -hmm. So think that $2,500 a month in savings goes to take care of the majority of all and then some of the car payment, obviously, that I just took out. So like right now is a time where they're setting you up to win. However, if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss out on this window. I watched this happen in 2005, uh, six, and seven, right? Mm -hmm. So like there was the subprime boom. They had the market propped up and the bottom fell off. But if you think the bottom, like I was still busy in 2009 and 10, but by the time 2013 rolled around, Obama had us turned around and back up and rolling again. You know what I mean? It took them a few years because Bush, the things that happened under the Congress when Bush was president, got a little wiry in that world. It took us a few years to get back on path. But think about it. We went last year, unemployment, 50 freaking percent. Now we're back down to 6%, right? And so like we have the ability to run the press, turn the media on and keep the middle class flourished. That's what the, the government's really set in place. When does that stop, though? Does it, does it, is there ever a why day of reckoning? Do you think it's just going to go forever? Dude, if you could print, okay, so like there's a guy in the Avengers with us, right, Brandon, who prints crypto, right? You can make your own money, and then you can just be like, buy these coins, and then you can just take that money and do whatever. Hookers blow whatever you want with it, right? That's the Fed. Like this is on a small scale with these coins. That's the fit. So why would why would you quit printing it out? It's like, dude, if we keep prospering, but things keep costing more money too. In the 1960s, a house, you know, cost 1500 bucks. A car cost 300 bucks brand new, you know? So it's always going to be more expensive, but then you just get the flex that you're a millionaire. You know, it's like, oh, you, you used to make a hundred grand a year. And now that's the equivalent of a millionaire. Congratulations. You're a millionaire. Don't mean shit, but you're a millionaire now, right? Like, and I'm telling you, but that mindset, people think, oh, yeah, I'm a millionaire now. And that keeps that middle class pumping. They don't want us to fail because if we fail, you know, first of all, there's a lot of gun owners, gun owners in America, and they already showed what they could do at the Capitol. I'm telling you, the government's a little scared of the regular person right now, right? Like, if you were in government, you should be like, that was a little weird. We should be cooler to these people, right? They've also got some smart people. And, and traditionally, as crazy as this sounds, I liked Trump. But as crazy as this sounds, Democrats typically do better in economies. Maybe it's because they inherit it from Republicans. I don't know. But Bill Clinton had the better economy uh, than uh, Reagan. And uh, Obama ended up with a better economy than Bush when he left. Uh, Trump ended up picking that up and doing even good with it. I'm sure Biden's going to keep the ball rolling on some things because, again, it's not in their interest to fail. Now, all the conspiracy sites be like, they're coming against you. It's going to be socialism. What's the benefit of that? What's the benefit of that for like? Like for them, right? Because if we, because you Americans are lazy, you put us in socialism, you're going to have to be supporting like 80% of us because we're just going to play video games and smoke weed all day, right? Like this ain't China where it's like, oh man, socialism, I better get a job at Apple for a dollar a day. No, here in America, they'd be like, shit, this $600 a month just going to have to do. <laughs> it's a different mindset, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so I don't think all these worst case scenarios, and listen, I've lived an entire life of worst case scenarios and still worst case scenario never came true. You know, worst case scenario, 20 years, shit ended up being 15. Worst case scenario, oh no, man, my heart's broken. I'll never love again. I'm married with four kids. You know what I mean? Like worst case scenario never is. So what is your, what's the play then? What's the play then? We know that's happening. What's the play for, for someone that's listening to this show going over, going for the next 18 months? Is it buying, is it buying real estate assets, starting a business? Where, where do you see the play strongest? And maybe it's a conglomerate all, all together. Well, don't downplay what I'm about to say. My job, my like, I got one talent. I'm not an athlete or anything like that. I'm not even that good of a speaker. 
I have one talent of taking complicated shit and making it really simple. But the problem with most people is when I make it simple, their mind tries to recomplicate it so that they can talk themselves out of it. But the reason why I make something real simple so that you can make a decision. Okay, so you can make a decision on this because what I'm about to say is real simple. Uh, keep buying stocks and real estate while it's going up. And as soon as that shit acts like it's going to fall, you got two choices. Sell as soon as you can, right? Like we watched people in March of last year, sell all their stocks, right? Oh, shit, or April, sell all their stocks. Oh, shit, I just held on to mine. They're worth like three, four times. I held on to my Bitcoin. I held on to my stocks. And like, that's money that's invested. I don't need it out. So watch it. Hey, if you feel like you need to pull it out, pull it out fast. You need to watch the, the news every day if, that's, if you're that kind of person. The second thing though is, you know, I learned from Warren Buffett. He's like, you know, if you just leave shit alone, usually it works out. Right. So like what you've got money in your funds and things like that, you know, in, unless something crazy happens, you just leave the money in there. The big play is going to be the commercial market. At some point, it's got to fucking collapse because we are not going back to work. And I don't say that because of the virus or anything like that. We're not going back. Why the fuck would I go sit in traffic for 45 minutes to go to work when I've been working at home for the last year from Zoom and we're still productive? Why would you make me go in the office now? If I'm a company, why would I pay $20,000 a month in rent for the building I'm in when my people can work from home and I can save $20,000, $240,000 a year that I can invest back into my business to grow it? So commercial is going to fall apart. There's going to be a collapse in it without a doubt. I work in the largest building in North Texas, right? I'm on the second floor. It's three 20-store towers, Google, YouTube, Hilton headquarters, like big, huge, Regis, big, huge, multi-billion dollar companies in my building. That place was full of nothing but people like there was a bar there. There was restaurants. It's been empty for a year now. We're the only stupid people that still go to work there every day. When I'm paying 10 grand a month in rent, I'm like, if I'm paying for this shit, I'm going to enjoy it, damn it. But like we're literally the only, the restaurants aren't open. The store's not open. Google's not there. YouTube's not there. Hilton's not there. Nobody's there, man, which has allowed me to throw some really cool after hour parties in that place because ain't nobody there, right? Yeah. We've, we've had some really fun there. But, but that building at some point, they just refinanced the debt in November. I know this because I had to resubmit some financials for them to get with the bank, right? So they just refinanced that debt. Some of that debt they took on was for remodel. So I see them doing the remodel, but nobody's coming back. It's been a year. And nobody's coming back. So if, when these contracts, maybe they got five-year leases with Google, but they're not going to renew, right? When it's over with, why would they spend, Google's probably spent 120 grand a month with them. Why would they do that? Why, like, and think Google's got, I don't know, two, 300 locations that cost that much or more around the country or the world that now these people can work from home. Like, so commercial's got to be something you guys got to keep your eyes on. You know, I'm trying to buy a commercial building right now and I need it quick. But it's like, damn, man, I know with, I know at any moment that's going to be the first thing that pops because nobody's going to work. I still drive on the freeways here and we ain't got traffic yet. So nobody's at work. Hmm. Interesting. Do you think that the, the devil's advocate that is, is companies that don't work in the office are going to over time are going to lose? And business owners are going to realize that they got to be in. So do you think stay, working at home is, is here to stay? I believe so. You know, you I've so? been working at home since 2005. You know, and I mean, I have an office now it's forced to, but I still stay here most days, you mm -hmm. know, and my, my contractors and employees that work out of the office, they're not required to go in every day. They, they stay home as long as they get the damn job done. I don't care if they're in Timbuktu. Yeah. I love it. Okay. I know we've, we've gone a little bit long. I know you got it. You probably got some, some fun stuff Friday night with your, with your family. 
what's a just parting parting words parting advice for people on this call that are i, I love your story of of resilience a lot I, and i wish we could talk for three more hours i bet you've got stories forever and i actually if people want to go listen to you you can go you go find you all the internet and everywhere you can hear all those stories but um what's some advice for people on this call thinking about getting into entrepreneurship not even just fun but just entrepreneurship in general and getting into this investing game maybe they're hesitant maybe they're i don't know it's a risky thing What's some advice you would give the people that are on the fence or thinking about it? Well, I'm going to tell you this, and this is the cold, hard facts, okay? So if you're, there's four levels of business, in, and I'm going to tell you what the levels are and what it takes to get to each level, to level up, right? We always hear that term, level up, but then you don't know what the hell level you're on or what the next level is or what, you know, so I'm, I'm going to give you that. So when you're an employee, I started off as a salesperson, still an employee. I had to master sales and marketing right? That's the ability to generate leads. Okay. Not marketing is not just putting my name on a billboard. It's getting leads and then master sales to be able to close them. Right? So I got to be able to get a customer, have a conversation with that customer that puts money in my pocket. Right? When I master those two skills, I no longer need the corporation. I can go out on my own. I can generate my own leads, close my own sales, or I can make my rules as an entrepreneur at the company. Right? But I need those two skills to graduate to becoming self-employed, which is level number two. Okay. It's self-employed. You already got the sales and marketing down. So those aren't, those are skills you continue to use and build, but those aren't the skills that you need to go to the next level. When you become self-employed, the two skills that you need to go to the next level is you need to learn how to hire and train people. Okay. Mm -hmm. So first sales and marketing that gets you to start your own business. Then you got to learn how to hire and train people so that you can grow and scale that business. Once you get to that level, you got four or five employees working for you, board of directors, things of that nature. You move into level three, which is the CEO. You're an actual person that's running a corporation. You're not a self-employed LLC sole proprietor. You're the CEO of a corporation with a board of directors, a chairperson, and all that good stuff. Well, in order to move to the fourth and final level, the skill that you need there, there's two skills that you need there, is the ability to build a brand because you don't want to be the face of what you're doing forever. So you need to build a brand that's bigger than just you, the CEO, right? We don't really know. Most people don't know who the CEO of Google is. Most people don't know who the CEO of Apple is, right? Like they just, they, the product has outlived their original founders. Um, same, you know, 10 years from now, most people won't know who the, the CEO of, of Amazon is, right? Well, actually he's quitting this year. So shit, we may not know who it is next year because nobody will care after Bezos is gone. So you got to be able to build a brand that lasts the company long-term and you got to, you got to develop your leadership skills because now you're not only hiring and training people, that's cool, but now you're managing the leaders. You're the CEO. So you're managing the board of directors. So you need leadership skills and brand building skills to get to the fourth and final level, which is where you step away as CEO and you just own the business and make money from the business, but you never work on the business. Maybe you're the chairperson that shows up there. So that would be, it, depending on where you are, now you know what level. You're either employed somewhere, you're working for yourself, or you've got a company that you own and that you've built, or you're on your way into not retirement, but ownership, right? But those are the two skills at each level that matter the most to be able to plug in, to be able to escalate and level up. So hopefully that helps in some way. Oh, that's great. I love that. Is, that's that's similar to Robert Kiyosaki's model, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, very similar. I love how you expand upon it, though. Yeah, he, he kind of sets that model, and I love that. Um, of and remembering, yeah, where <laughs> where you're leveling up from. You got to level up, right? That yeah. I think that's a clear roadmap of where to level up. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on today. Where can people come to learn more about you if they want to get involved with your programs? Or and we got a lot of stuff online. Where's a good place to send people? 
Uh, you know, Instagram or Facebook. So I have blue checks. If it doesn't have a blue check next to it, it's not me. It's an imposter account or whatever. So be careful. I'll never DM you and ask you to buy shit. You got to hit me up first. Like I don't operate that way. So make sure if you see my profile, it's the ones with blue checks. There's imposters every day, but it's at hardcore closer on Instagram and it's uh, real Ryan Stuman on Facebook. Both of them, like I said, have blue checks. Uh, my website is hardcorecloser.com. And uh, not to throw a bunch of stuff out at you, but I have a podcast as well. And it's different than this. Uh, I have 3 million monthly listeners and it is five minutes or less a day. I put out one every single day of the week. I just did episode number 750 this week. And so every single uh, day, Monday through Friday, you get a five minute podcast. So you can binge listen to four or five of them on the way to work or whatever. There's 750 after all, but they're called Rewire. So it's Rewire with Ryan Stuman five-minute motivational, thought-provoking, quick spit stuff. We put songs out and stuff like that too. So, um, you know, I, I, I figure your audience will really like that because yeah. it's all about how you think and act and take an action and stuff. And it's the most popular thing I do. Well, I love that. Well, and I, and I got to give a shout I've, I've loved your content. I've followed you for a long time and I've loved your con content. So go, again, we'll put them in the show links below where people can find you. But Ryan, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been fun. Yeah, man, it's great hanging out. Appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, thank you. See you on the next one. Bye. Hey, what's going on? Wasn't that awesome? So what we've done is made a Facebook group that is free to the public. You've got to opt in and join it, but I go live in there every single Wednesday to walk through your questions, do live Q&A and walk through new topics. So if you want to connect with me, want me to answer your questions directly, join our Facebook group. It's Investment Fund Secrets. If you go online, you'll see it. We have a private group for our mastermind members. It's not that one. It's our free group. You guys can hop in, get questions answered, meet other people starting funds and, and join our Investment Fund Secrets family. If you guys are interested, go to Facebook Investment Fund Seekers. I'll see you guys inside.